0: To the podcast of Vertical Life Church, we hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.blchurch.tv. Good morning. We're thankful that you're here with us, and we're apologize for the technical difficulties. If we stop again, well. Maybe pause and do a restart, and we'll jump back on in as soon as we can. But uh, a song is just a heart cry this morning that we would not just ask God to be refined, but that our heart would be to be willing to go through the fire, whatever it takes, to become exactly who God has created us to be, to be that vessel that can shine brightly and reflect Jesus. Today we're in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. We're going to land there, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Verses will also be on the screen for you. But we're in the third week of this online video series called Divine Connection, beginning with the resurrection of Jesus. He rose from the dead, went through the cross, rose from the dead to connect us back to the Father, to reestablish a relationship with God, the one we were created to have but was severed because sin entered into the world, and all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. So because we've all sinned, we all are born into this world separated from God, destined to an eternity without Him. But God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that moment, you made the decision to believe in On the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says you've become born again. You've become reconnected to that divine connection that was lost all so long ago. And that divine connection opens the door for you to find greatest satisfaction, truest fulfillment in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we were divinely connected to the Father. Last week we talked about how Jesus didn't just come to connect us back to the Father, but he came to connect us to one another, that he has specifically and precisely placed us into this body we call the church. But it's really his physical representation of himself on the earth. It's the vessel that he's placing us in, equipping us and empowering us to become the... The vessel that shines the glory of God throughout the world that fills the earth with his glory. And he has placed us together, equipping us, empowering us, giving us gifts so that we can build up and strengthen each other. And encourage each other, especially as we are awaiting the fulfilled promise of his return. And the way that we can experience the fullness of the Christian life that Jesus has come to give us, that we can become everything he's called us to be, is contained in, measured in how connected we are to the body of Christ. We can't live this Christian life alone. It doesn't work just being a Christian in the quietness of your own house. It requires us to be together, to get connected together, to bind ourselves together with one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, one divine call together to be the people of God. And so last week we saw how we were connected to one another in the benefits of being in that supernatural family. And this week, we're going to look at how God has connected us together to also connect us to his mission. We're connected to mission. So if you're out there, somebody say connected to mission. Connected Connected to to mission. mission. You can type that right there. We are connected to a mission. This is part of the purpose. God didn't just go through all of the things he went through through Jesus and, and everything Jesus endured for us just to... Be blessed, get rich, get fat, and have no problems or cares in the world. Jesus wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. Every good gift comes from the Father. He is a good God. He does bring us good things. But the reason why we're born again into the family of God, into the, the church of Jesus Christ is not just to have a spiritual hierarchy or a spiritual level above those who are apart from God so we can look down at other people with all piousness and religiosity and say, oh God, I'm so thankful I'm not like other men. He didn't come to do that. He didn't come to build religious zealots and to build institutions that that simply made people feel like they were better than what they really are. Jesus came to set us free from the world so that we could then live in pursuit of the kingdom and build kingdom into every aspect of the world. The kingdom of God is coming. When Jesus comes in, he's going to usher in the fullness of the kingdom. But while we're waiting, we are on a mission to infuse the world with the kingdom of God so that we can prepare for his coming, which is why he prayed in that so famous prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The mission of the church is to bring the world into alignment, into agreement with the kingdom of God, so that when he comes, truly heaven can invade earth and bring all things into fullness. And so Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, we're in this point in the story where Jesus is getting ready after spending 40 days with his disciples. He appeared off and on over 40 days to to his disciples and many, many others. And over that course of 40 days, he gave his final instructions. And here we are on the last day in Matthew 28. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of power with the, our Heavenly Father to intercede for us and to prepare a place for us for all eternity. But before he goes, he gives them these final instructions. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Heavenly Father God, we just want to unpack this passage God but I don't want to give my thoughts on it Lord I don't need to share my wisdom because my wisdom will fail my thoughts are, are not your thoughts your ways are beyond our ways God so I ask you Holy Spirit to come and direct take take what little that I've penned here God and just speak that you would Invite us into this mission, God, that you would challenge us where we are, where we are with our faith, where we are with prioritizing the kingdom, where we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone here that that has yet to begun a relationship with God, that they would have an encounter with you today, God, that they would be drawn into your goodness, but then also have their eyes open to a greater reality, a greater story of what you're calling all of us into, into what is called the kingdom of God. And God, I just pray that this would be an invitation to pursue. This would wreck us and wreck all the religiosity and maybe apathy and coldness in our hearts, God. That it would wreck all the stuff the enemy has been able to build up in our lives that has kept us at a distance. That we would become humble, Lord, and that you would now lift us up into the identity and calling that you have given before the foundation of the earth. God, that the church would arise, that the sleeper, that the, the unbelieving believers would come into true faith, God, that the sleeping giant that is the church would arise and awake and take her place in this earth, God, as you have given who us your authority to represent you here on the earth, to preach the gospel, to confirm its message with signs and wonders, and to... Reveal your glory in the world, God. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Type that on. Engage. We encourage you to continue to engage, even though you're you might be miles apart. To engage—that's how you encourage others on the feed. And uh, we just thank you for being with us. God has a message for the church today, and it's just as much for me as I'm looking at this and I'm being challenged in my heart. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through this. Uh, passage of scripture we're going to look at several verses and so um, we're going to highlight the things that he said just have a few comments on that but my prayer is is that you would allow the word of God to speak to your heart and to draw you in into what God desires for your life beginning in verse 16 what's amazing is that after the resurrection here these disciples gathered together they're seeing Jesus and he's appeared to them multiple times, proving he was alive. He's had meals with them. They've touched his side and the holes in his hands. They've seen how he's alive forevermore. And here they are at this last moment with him after the resurrection. And he's appearing to them again, giving them instructions. And it says, some believed as they were worshiping him, but then some doubted. I mean, like, can, like, can you fathom that, right? There They're here with Jesus. He's seeing them. He's with them face to face. They're hearing him speak. They could touch him. They could smell him. They could see all the stuff that they're encountering with, with Christ, the fullness of his glory. They were worshiping him because they recognized you are God in flesh. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the one, but yet some of them still doubted. That gives me hope to know that I'm not alone because when I have doubts, even though I've had encounters with God, sometimes I have doubts and and it's a struggle to get through, to really reach for the faith that we need, to press on to break through in the different situations that we have in our lives. But in verse 16, he says, they worshiped him, some doubted. What God spoke to my heart this week, it's just revealing that just because you have an encounter with God, You might have had a powerful encounter with God when you came to faith in Christ, or when you heard the gospel for the first time, or you felt the touch of the Holy Spirit. But an encounter with God does not guarantee your spiritual level. An encounter with God does not define how spiritual you are. Because just because you have an encounter with God doesn't mean you've been elevated to this great super Christian place and now others need to aspire to where you are. It is your response to an encounter with Jesus Christ that will determine your spiritual maturity. It will determine your spiritual reality. Your response to the encounter either opens the door or closes the door to your connection with Christ. An encounter will either open, it's the response to the encounter that either opens or closes the door. And if you open the door and say, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe, it will become the catalyst for God's power to be revealed in you. But just like the disciples, as they're having this encounter, they're seeing him, they're hearing the words, right? The very word of God is being spoken to them like the word of God is being spoken to you today. They're hearing it. But some of you are still, you're going to close the door to the encounter and the faith that God wants to rise up in you to take you into your identity, into the fullness of who He's raised you to life to become, is going to be restricted because of a lack of response to the encounter with Christ. And then there are those of you that are going to have an encounter. You're going to hear the Word of God. He's going to touch you by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to respond in faith, and you're going to be catapulted into your divine destiny, the way God created you before the foundation of the earth. Your response to an encounter with God opens or closes the door. I know when I was younger, I had an encounter with God when I was eight years old. I dedicated my life to Christ, and I knew I was going to be in the ministry in some form or fashion. But even though I had this encounter it was many years later until I fully surrendered because I was still holding on to all this stuff that I thought was making me happier, things that I wanted to do. And all that stuff got in the way because my doubts actually directed my faith rather than what God has done in my life. And so as God is, is, is perceiving these doubts in his disciples, which he did many times. There many times he was ministering and teaching, and the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders would come to question him, and he would perceive their thoughts. He would know what they were thinking even before they said a word. And he would speak to the very things that were going on in their, their minds and just blow their minds that this man had such knowledge and such wisdom. And here Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, says something that invites these disciples into faith. In verse 18, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus confirms his identity so that there is no doubt who he is. There's no doubt. I have been given authority. I am the one you've been waiting for. All authority is mine in heaven and on earth. And that identity will help define Our relationship with him if he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth then he is also trustworthy then he is also the one that we can place all of our hope faith and trust in and when we do that we become defined by who he is we become defined by that relationship with him and then we find our purpose in his will for our lives When we're wracked with doubt, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't don't understand what what we're going to do with our lives or what career we're going to have and all of these things that we wrestle with on a daily basis. But when we know who he is, we then know who we are and what the purpose is for our lives. And what he, the one who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, what he desires supersedes all other expectations. What he desires supersedes all other expectations of men. What other people would press upon you, put upon you, what the culture would think of you or expect of you, what God desires for your life is ultimate in your life. When you recognize who he is, you know it, you believe it. But if we don't know, if we're filled with doubt, and we don't truly know who he is, then we won't know who we are. If we don't know who he is, then we won't know who we are, why. Because our lives are defined by His life. Our lives are defined. All of our meaning, everything comes from who Jesus is. Our identity flows from Him. Our purpose flows from Him. This is what it means to be born again. When we were born into this world the first time, through the natural process, we were born into an identity in the world. We were given a name. We were placed in a family. We were put in school, We began to learn, and we began to decide for ourselves the different things that we were going to do. We lived after our sinful nature, our self-centered, selfish nature, because that's all we knew. This life that we had was all we knew. But when we became born again, we became born altogether new. We were no longer defined by our struggles, our temptations. We were no longer defined by the expectations parents put on us or maybe uh, levels of success the world would say we needed to aspire to be anything in this world. We became defined by one name and one name alone, and that is the name of Jesus. The reality for many believers today is that many of us, we've prayed prayers, we've attended services, but many are still the same as you were before you began to follow Jesus. Your lives are still the same. If you look at your life now and go back and look at the way it was before, there's really not much difference. Something is missing in your life because when you become born again, the Bible says in Second Corinthians five seventeen, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, behold, all things are new. The new life has begun. If you're still the same the way you were before you met Christ, then something is wrong in your life. Something is wrong with your faith. There are many people that, that say, you know, well I, I I, I feel this way, I think this way, and this is how God made me, and so he accepts me just as I am, and he created me this way, so it must be okay to be this way. And they want to stick to an old identity, but yet put say that they belong to the Lord. And that's not the way it works. If we belong to Jesus, we become altogether new. He defines who we are. He defines what we desire. We delight in him, and he gives us the desires of our heart, not the other way around. Right. It's not that we conform Jesus to, to approve of how we want to live. It's that we surrender completely and fully to the life that he has called us into. We die to ourselves so that we can live to him. The cross of Jesus Christ means the death of sin. So the believing in the cross, being crucified with Christ, means putting your sin to death. And the coming spirit means being raised to live a new life. If we continue embracing sin in our old life, we are forsaking his cross and rejecting his spirit. If you continue to live according to the old way, even though you've prayed a prayer and professed Christ, you have rejected his cross, and you have rejected his spirit. And there are many believers who live like this. They are unbelieving believers, they live forsaking the cross and rejecting the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is doubt that fills their life and not true, life-changing faith. Beloved, it is the cross, it is by the cross we are saved and it's through the Spirit that we have new life. This is where the new birth comes from, a life-changing encounter through Jesus. We die to ourselves and take on a new identity and a new purpose in Christ And God has connected you. The Father has connected you through the Son. He has connected us to each other by His Spirit. So He can connect us to the mission that He gives all who call on His name. And that is to join Jesus in His mission, which is to seek and to save that which is lost. The physician came for the sick. He came to rescue the world, to bring healing to a hurting world, redemption to those orphaned, to the Father because of sin and brokenness. And this is the mission that he has given us. And this is the priority and the focus of our lives. If we doubt his authority, we will also doubt our chances of success in this mission. If he has all authority, that means we will be successful. We will win regardless of the circumstances. We don't have to fear. We don't have to doubt because he is on the throne as king of kings and lord of lords. If we know who he is and we believe in who he is, we won't fear failure. We'll keep pressing in until breakthrough. We won't give up until his promises are fulfilled. And we won't stop anything. We won't let anything stop us from getting engaged in his mission. But if we doubt... We'll doubt our chances of success. We won't keep pressing in until breakthrough. We'll give up. Or because of fear and apathy, we won't even get engaged in the mission altogether. The next, he says in verse 20, To teach these disciples, again, this is the command he's given. He says, teach these disciples to obey all I've commanded you. Go into the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all I have commanded you. This is a command. This is instructions he's given the church. It's perpetual throughout the generations. In order to teach somebody something, you must have learned and be able to demonstrate it in your own life. In order to teach, you must have learned and also be able to demonstrate that knowledge in your own life in order to teach somebody something. This is what it is to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. A follower follows after the Lord. We live like Jesus. We we love like Jesus. We pattern our lives like his. We join him in what he was doing. And if you look at the New Testament and see what Jesus was doing, everywhere he went, it was to heal the sick. It was to preach the kingdom. It was to reconcile people to the Father and open the door of salvation to the world. This was the purposes of his life. So if we're to make disciples and we are to teach these disciples to obey all that he's commanded, we first must learn the commands and implement these things in our lives. Mm -hmm. All, Not just some of what he commanded, but all of it. But for many Christians, the only command you know is to study your Bible and memorize verses. That's the only command. We've made this about about just reading your Bible and and, and learning verses and, and doing Bible studies. But preaching the gospel and and learning what the gospel is, is not the only command. It's preaching the gospel. It's healing the sick. It It is walking in the Holy Spirit and using the power of God to confirm the message. It's loving one another just the way He loved us. It's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And you cannot demonstrate that which you have not learned and implemented in your own life. But for many Christians, we stop at the Bible verses. We stop at the reading. Jesus rebuked some religious leaders in his day, and he said, The problem is that you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Just memorizing words on a page is not enough. It is inviting God and joining God in what he's doing to bring you into the fullness of understanding of what it is to be a Christian. And you cannot demonstrate being a follower of Jesus if you have not First learned and implemented these in your own life. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The barometer of how much we truly love Jesus is how submitted and surrendered to him that we are. If you love me, keep my commandments. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, tend to those in prison, take up your cross and follow me. These are the commands of the Lord. In other words, die to yourself. And be raised up to my life. Those that love Jesus will be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. And serious about the mission that he's given us. But what's sad is that many believers are still simply just believers in word, but not in authentic faith and belief. And if you and I were to stand before God today, and he were to ask us why we should Be led into heaven. Why should I let you into heaven? Many of us would point back to things in the past. Well, God, I've been to church my whole life. Or I prayed a prayer this one time. I even cried when I prayed this prayer. Or I was baptized, maybe as an infant. Or I was baptized at at some point. Or I gave money faithfully in the offering plate. I did all these religious things. And the Father's going to look at us and say, You know, those things are nice. But none of that matters. What matters is... Did you love my son? Did you love my son? Did you have a relationship with him? And if you did, what can you point to in your life that demonstrates you love my son? Because if you loved him, you'd keep his commandments. If you loved him, you would follow after him. You would hear his voice and you would follow him. So Jesus said about the religious in his day, quoting from the Old Testament prophets, he says, the problem with the religious people is they flatter me with their lips, but their hearts are so far from me. You see, it's easy to show up to a church service and sing the songs, listen to a message, and go through the motions. What's much, much more difficult is to give God your whole heart. To allow your heart to be... Ripped open and all that's in it be exposed and say, God, I don't have much, but what I have here, it's all yours. You have my heart. My one desire is that I would know you and be known by you. My one desire is to serve you. My one desire is to encounter you in every possible way, to know you beyond anything else. Everything I desire is to know you and to dwell in your presence, to honor you with my life. But many of us, we've made it our spiritual profession to just flatter Jesus on the weekends. But our hearts live so far away from him each and every day. We wouldn't know his voice if he were to even speak audibly in the room. We wouldn't recognize it. But yet his sheep know his voice. They know him and they follow him. That means we go where he goes, we do what he does, we follow his example. This is the difficulty in our day, and the struggles that we're dealing with. But many Christians wake up each day without a thought or care for what the Lord wants for their lives. We wake up, we go through our routines, we think, oh, I'll get to that Bible plan one day, but, you know, I just gotta go to work, or, you know, I'll put that aside, I need my coffee, I need my breakfast, or I need to get to the gym, or, or my favorite show is coming on at 7. You know, after my show will come on, you know, I'll, then I'll get to the Bible, then I'll, then I'll pray, and then the show ends and we really like this and we watch another and another and then we just end up going to bed without even seeking the Lord that day. It's the daily routine. Many of us don't even consider what God wants for us each day, who he wants to touch through us, who he wants us to speak to, what he wants us to do. We aren't hungry to enter the presence of God and communion with God in prayer and intercede on behalf of the people in our lives that we know that are struggling or going through difficulties. What drives us is our paycheck, gaming, entertainment, our devices, our shows, and all of our surface level connection or communication with friends. Some of us are even so obsessed with the relationships that we have in our lives. Maybe you're chasing a boy or chasing a girl, but you're so obsessed with that that you forget to chase the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't chase God. You're chasing everything else. The shepherd's trying to lead you, but you're following other voices. And I think about this, if God were to show up in your living room right now, in the manifest glory of God, His, His His glory cloud would fill your room right there, and you would see the glory of God, you'd hear the sound of His presence, feel the immense weight of His His love, in just uh, the presence that comes in when He shows up in a room, and the angels begin to sing and worship the Lord, and you're seeing this with your eyes, your your two eyes, would it be like a normal... Church experience where, you know, after a few minutes we start looking at the the watch wondering when this is going to be over or are we going to get irritated with the angels because for the 15th time they've sang the same line in the song, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. Is this the response that we're going to have? Like, oh, they, they sang that song uh, already. Can't they move on to another song? Or how long is God going to be here because lunch is in the oven? No. We would forget everything else happening. We would hold on to that moment as much and as strong as humanly possible. Just like Jacob who wrestled with God, we would hold on until the blessing came and God had to break his hips so that he would let him go. We would hold on with everything that we had because if we let go, God's presence could leave. We we might not get it again. We would, we would be so overwhelmed in that moment with the glory of God that it would dominate every thought, every feeling, every emotion. It would wreck us completely. But yet, when we gather together, Jesus says, when two or more gather in my name, I'm right there in your midst. So though we don't see him with our eyes, God is here. And his presence can be encountered. In the same way when we gather together, but so many of us we want to rush it. We want to get it over with because we've had all the Jesus we can stand. You got my hour, I'm ready to move on. Why is that? It's because we flatter him with our lips, but our hearts are so far from the Lord. Matthew 7, Jesus said, There will be people who stand before me in the judgment, who profess all manner of religious works, even powerful things done in the name of Jesus. But Jesus won't let them in. He'll say, Depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. Religion is not the answer. Relationship is the key. And when you have a true relationship with Christ, when your faith is in the Son of God, and the Spirit of God comes in you, and comes upon you in power, and you become born again, it changes things. You are not what you were, you are altogether new. You know, the term revival is a word that we often use in the the church. It means improvement in the condition or strength of something. An instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. And we're living in a day where we don't need revival. We're living in a day where what we're trying to revive was never even alive. We don't need to revive something that was previously alive. We need to be vibed to begin with. We need to... We need to come alive. We need to come into an encounter with God through the, the acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, complete submission to Him, complete heartfelt pursuit of His presence, a reception of the Holy Spirit and power to become the children of God. We're not living in a day where we need revival. We're living in a day where people who profess to be Christians get real with themselves and with the Lord and wake up to realize that they're missing a genuine relationship with God. And the reason why they're not growing spiritually is not because they've just heard it all before. It's not because... uh, the. It's just not relative to them anymore. It's because they are yet to become who God's created them to be a disciple who makes disciples. They're still in that infant stage where where they're one foot in the world and another foot in the church. Because they responded really with doubt, not faith, and this standstill and not surrender. And you need to come to that point, no matter how old you are, to that decision point where I'm going to take my foot out of the world and I'm going to put it all in with Jesus. I'm going to give you my life, my heart, my all. And I'm going to pursue you until I discover. Jesus said, those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. If you seek, you will find. Those that pursue God with all they are, are going to be rewarded. We come to that point. Decision point where we recognize I don't have to understand it all, but you know what? I just want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life in full surrender. I come with all my fears, all my questions, all my doubts, and I place my life completely in your hands. And at that point, when we come to full surrender, the Spirit of God can do what he does best. And that's raise the dead back to life to set you on the path to truly know the Lord as you depart living for yourself, living in pursuit of the enticements for the world and join Jesus in his mission to save the world. And what I'm saying is it doesn't mean everyone has to quit their jobs and become ministers in a church, but what it does mean is that you wake up each day recognizing you are ministers in the church. In the church of Jesus Christ, which is not a building, it's a people. You are ministers, and you go to your place of work not to earn a paycheck. You go to build the kingdom of God. You go to your friend's house not to socialize, but to build the kingdom of God through relationship and encounter. You go to the hospitals to pray for the sick. You, you rub shoulders with the people you see every day in your city, not just to get done what you need done for your life so you can live comfortable and good, but you go out so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when he wants to speak, you're available to be spoken through so someone can have a radical, transforming encounter with the Lord. And it's about waking up with purpose, that today I die to myself and I live for Jesus. We are the light of the world, beloved. We are the beacons that point people to salvation. And Jesus is sending us into the world just as the Father sent him. He is sending us into the world through the power of his Spirit to transform it, not to become like it. And that's where the struggle is. We're trying to become like the world rather than transform the world. But his prayer is that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is his will. This is the invitation to join him in the mission so that the world will do the Lord's will just as it's done in heaven. And lastly, the last phrase I want to point out in verse 20, Jesus says, And I am with you always. It is a comfort to know that we are not on our own we're not on you're not on your own the mission of the church the mission of the kingdom is not solely yours to bear we have each other but more so we have jesus with us he's not just watching us do the work he's walking alongside of us doing the work through us and what an amazing and powerful realization to know that it's not about how smart i am how talented I am, how gifted I am, how much I even know. It's simply about my full surrender and my availability to Jesus to be used by Him to change the world. That wherever I go, His power can be manifest in our life. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always with you. Through the good times, through the bad, through times of comfort, through times of pain, I am with you. And his power has been poured out in full strength in the church upon all who believe, not just to bring us into new life, but it's been given you so that you can accomplish the will that he has for the church. His power and his presence go before you. It's there to encourage us and to fill us with hope as we work together to fill the earth with his glory. And God has given you neighbors, friends, relatives, all the people in your life as your mission field. Some of you will have a mission field in a church ministry. Some, God is calling into full-time ministry in the church as an apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, whatever, to equip the church to do the ministry. Others, God is calling you into some work or vocation in, in the secular world so that you can bring the kingdom into that sphere of influence. Do you understand that God wants to redeem the medical field? He wants to redeem the science field. What I mean by that is he doesn't want to do away with it. He wants to infuse it so that rather than scientists trying to discover a world apart from God, they discover the world God created that reveals his glory, that points to the handiwork of God. God wants to redeem the entertainment. Field. He wants to redeem Hollywood, not by doing away with Hollywood, but by infusing it with the Holy Spirit presence of God, that rather it's used to reveal the goodness and glory of God and help pursue us into lives that will bring the best out and his best intentions for us, not to constantly lead us to follow our sinful nature into things that the enemy uses to steal, kill, and destroy God wants to redeem all levels of society, and he wants to do it through you. God wants to redeem the education field, and he's sending some of you into the education field. God wants to redeem the courts and the government, and he's sending some of you into those areas, not so that you can be disconnected, but so that through your connection to Jesus, to God through Jesus, through your connection to one another, that we can all bring the world into agreement with God's perfect will. God's placed you in the church so that together we can help each other grow to lo- learn and know the Lord and to make it an impact for the kingdom. This commission, this mission is not just a mandate on church leaders. It's a mandate on the church a whole. And the mission is for all the living stones to find their place, to take their place in the temple that we would help God cultivate the kingdom that he's putting together. And we do this by going into all the world, preaching the gospel, making new disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these disciples to obey all that he's commanded. And we know, we trust that he's with us even to the end of the age. This is an important mission, and it's for all of us, not just pastors, not just church leaders, it's for all of us to get engaged. God has a place for you in the kingdom. Are you ready to take your place? Are you ready to join him in the mission? And maybe you're here and you're saying, "Well, Pastor Joey, I, you know, I I want to take my place. I want to do what God's created me to be to do, to called me to do, be who He's created me to be." But I just have so much fear and so much doubt. Well, in just a minute, we're going to pray. We're going to get the prayer music going, and we're going to have a time of prayer, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't don't know all the other stuff, but what I do know is God knows and He's here. And He's with you. He is with you. He has good plans for you. He desires to show you what you were always created to do and how you can find complete and total satisfaction in Him. Some of you, you've gone to church your whole lives, but you've never had that life-changing encounter. You're apathetic to the things of God. You're faithful because you feel it's your duty, like you owe God for saving you, but you, when it comes to passion, heartfelt, fiery passion to know God, to pursue God, it's lacking because you've never had an encounter with the Lord. And it just might be because you've really been... Religious and not truly had a relationship with Jesus where you recognize His unconditional love. He loves you just as you are. He loves you just where you're at, just as you are. But He wants to turn you into who He's created you to be. And that begins by dying to yourself and placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Some of you, you might not have a relationship with God and you're searching for meaning. You might be a watching this morning because you're just, you've got questions and you wonder, you know, does God even love me? Does God even want a relationship with me? Well, what's my purpose? Beloved, let me tell you, it's found in Jesus. He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And that authority, he wants to place upon you if you would trust him. And as he enters your life as the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. He's going to be able to begin cultivating a new life in you and and show you not only things you never imagined, but He's going to put you on the path of an adventure of a lifetime. It is an amazing adventure to walk in faith and to follow where the Lord leads and see Him work and move in powerful ways. Wherever you are, wherever you are spiritually, whatever's going on, don't close your heart in doubt. Don't close the door in doubt. Open the door in faith. I want to pray for you, and as we pray, you pray with me. You respond to the Holy Spirit. You respond, maybe you're just feeling like, you know, I, I believe, I have any encounters, but I've not been living on mission. I've not been waking up each day with God's like seeking God what he wants for me today and i've missed out on so many opportunities cuz i've really just been living my own my own life living for myself and just bringing God in every once in a while and today i want to give God my whole life i want to spend each day glorifying him so i can join him in the mission for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven i want to be a part of the next great revival where i i am helping lead people to encounter the love and power of God in their lives If that's you, when we pray, you respond to the Lord. Right where you are, just extend your hands out to Him. And just give your life. It doesn't matter the words, just pray for whatever's in your heart. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray right now in Jesus' name, God. I pray for those listening. I pray for the hard hearted, Lord. I pray for the doubter. I pray for the religious. I pray for the lost. I pray for the apathetic. God, I pray for everyone here today. God, I even pray for those who are on fire and are pursuing the kingdom. I pray, God, that right now, Holy Spirit, you would just invade their space right now. You would invade their lives. That your presence would just overwhelm them in Jesus' name. God, that your voice would be targeted. That you would touch those places in their heart, God, that they've been protecting. Lord, you reveal the areas that they need to surrender, the places they've withheld from you, God, and you would bring them to their knees. God, that you'd break that hardness off in Jesus' name. God, that you would encounter them right, right where they are, that they could not remain the same today. Lord God, that you would just come into that space. Lord, you are the refiner. Send that refining fire now in Jesus' name. That they could not remain the same right now in Jesus' name. God, and then I pray, Lord, that you dump on them a double portion blessing of the Holy Spirit. God, that you would just fill them right now from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, God. That they would be filled, manifesting with signs and wonders, God. That you would just draw them into who you are, recognizing that your life can be manifest in the physical reality. God, that it's a tangible relationship. It's not just an idea or a nice thought. It's a tangible relationship. God, when you said you are with us, you are actually with us. What we cannot see with our eyes, we can perceive with our spirit. God, I pray you would reveal yourself right now in Jesus' name. Angels go to battle for your church in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for the sick. I pray for those struggling, Lord, for those whose physical condition are impairing their faith. God, I pray that you would touch them now and raise them up in Jesus' name. That the pain would go, the infection would leave right now, God. The disability would become a great story right now in Jesus' name through the healing and power of God. God, I pray that seizures would stop in Jesus' name. God, I pray that the High blood pressure would normalize in Jesus' name, God. I pray the hormonal conditions would be resolved right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just ask you to work, move, do what only you can do. We're here, Lord God. We have nothing to offer but our faith and a sacrifice of praise. So we just praise you, God, for the work that you're doing. I praise you, God, right now for the work that you're doing. I pray that open wounds would close in Jesus' name. I pray that cancer would be healed now in Jesus' name, that the spots on the skin would be removed right now, never to be found in Jesus' name. God, you came to plunder the enemy's house. You came to overthrow all oppressed by the devil. God, we, we command all spirits of depression to get out, anxiety to get out in Jesus' name every spirit of just heaviness to get out in Jesus' name, every spirit of resistance and lack, Lord, those that come against faith, we bind in the name of Jesus, in His holy name, we command them to leave in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the one with the orphan spirit feeling unloved and unworthy by God. We bind that spirit and command it to go in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, that right now you touch them. Touch your beloved with your love, God. That wave after wave they would encounter the love, unconditional love of God. They might be rejected of men, but they're not rejected by their Father who is in heaven because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, call your church to the mission. Let the church arise. God, I speak to the dead bones, that they would be made flesh. God, that your church would arise in Jesus' name. That we'd arise to the mission. That we'd arise, that we would not let fear, insecurity, or or anything get in the way of our mission. And that is to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To make Jesus famous wherever we are. To let your love and goodness shine for all to see. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know that you know that you know that if you were to die today that you would go to be with God forever. I just encourage you right now where you are just to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to be your Lord and Savior. Bible says if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart God's raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Just say a simple prayer like, Father, forgive me of my sins. I trust in Jesus and all that He did for me. And I make him now my Lord and Savior. Save me. and Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live for you in Jesus' name. Just a simple prayer of faith. And God will radically transform your life. Spirits of guilt, I bind you in Jesus' name. And I command you to go. You have no hold on these people any longer. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is old is dead and they are new in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter the decision that you made that you've regretted your whole life. That's under the blood of Jesus. He has forgiven you. Now you need to forgive yourself. I don't know who that word was for, but the word is for somebody. You're letting the guilt of past decisions destroy and wreck your faith. He has forgiven you. You've asked him. He's forgiven you. Now you need to forgive yourself. Release yourself of that guilt and bear it no more. When the enemy brings it up, tell him to shut up in Jesus' name. It's under the blood. It's gone. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. God wipes our sins away as far as east is from the west. We thank you, Lord, for your joy. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your spirit. God, fill us. Fill us, God. Fill us. I pray today, Lord, that people listening would be made new and afresh. God, there'd be a fresh anointing of boldness in Jesus' name. A fresh anointing of power to to pray for the sick, that they be healed, to exercise authority over the enemy, that they would go, Lord, and that you would set people free. God, I pray for a fresh anointing, understanding and awareness of your presence. God, we don't know how long this quarantine is going to last, but we know, God, that you are creating and cultivating a people who are ready to enter and engage in this spiritual battle. People that are ready to get on mission and advance the kingdom. So God, we pray for the anointing of your presence to come so that we're ready. The moment we're released, God, we can go. And even now, Lord, we can begin in faith finding ways to minister and to share Jesus and to see your kingdom come. Praise the name of Jesus. I just feel the presence of the Lord and I just ask you to just sit in this. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't let things draw you away from what God wants to do in your heart. Just receive from the Lord.